Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was our finest. Okay, guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. So, guys, today's episode is really important to me personally. Oh. Uh, it's about mangrove forests. I've been. Mm-hmm. I've been on kind of on a forest kick. You guys maybe have noticed. I've been yes, really pushing have. for forest you episodes. You really have. Yeah. I love mangrove forests too. Um, Stacy and I, along with our friend and sponsor, Tyler. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout out to Tyler. Wow. Rings Tyler. treating you all right. Wow. We were in Costa Rica together, and we were on a beach near Manuel Antonio National Park, or National Parque. Wow. And I wandered alone into the waters. And I actually swam across the beach to a little mangrove forest. Whoa. You know, and I was alone. And I was looking at little crabs, fritter, and I just, I felt so, it was so calming. All of a sudden, all the human voices were gone. And I just wanted to give back to nature. So I squat in the brackish waters and I, and I pooped a little bit to Ooh, give back yeah. to Mother Gaia. Yeah, some nutrients. I had taken so much nutrients out of this earth and I mm-hmm. wanted to, to squat a little bit back <laughs> to Mother Gaia. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think it just went to the ocean though. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> I sound like hit a fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see. Is, is that when you and Stacy made your baby? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> is it? okay but anyway no i mean that's actually a true story (laughs) and really no i I was i was hanging out with these crocs and shit and these crabs and mangrove forests are really amazing ecologies um this is gonna sound stupid but they're like beach and forest yeah and i want you to really conceptualize that for a second and realize that shit is crazy yo think about it with your brains they're incredibly important environments that's beautiful uh they're important for people Although that should not be the reason we care. They're also incredibly biodiverse. And they are great examples of incredible evolutionary advancements. Wow. In the teleology of plant life. Well, teleology. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> the, we're doing teleological arguments now? Exactly, oh, dude. shit. Leaves will rule. <laughs> Leaves are the modes of production. Well, Nathan, you did a beautiful job. <laughs> yes. Mangrove Forests, episode 137. Whoa. Let's do it. Okay, guys, so for y'all who don't know what mangrove forests are, Sean, they are forests on the ocean, right? Yeah, so they're, <laughs> they're forested areas along coastlines. Right. In spots that are, like, fairly humid. Right. But also along coastlines that have, like, kind of salty water, but usually not 100% ocean salty water. Brackish water. Brackish water. Now, for a lot of our listeners, a lot of our listeners are not equatorial. 
Uh, so maybe you've never been to a mangrove forest. Right. They occupy a kind of unique strip around the equator, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, if you look at the equator and then you go 25 degrees latitude, north or south, right. it makes this strip around the world, and that's where the mangrove forests are. Similar to coral reefs. It is a lot of the same places that coral reefs hang out. Yeah, and people. Like Bogans. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Honestly, I'm really glad you said Bogans. Okay, okay, yeah. That, that almost was so terribly, irredeemably racist. Okay. But now that it's just about <laughs> Bogans and they're white people, <laughs> I think we can do it. Okay, yes. And again, this kind of requires brackish waters, which are waters that are less salty than the ocean, but more salty than fresh water. Think like pasta water. You want your pasta water to be brackish. Okay. Right? Okay, maybe. I think sometimes pasta water might be saltier than the ocean, but whatever, I'm not going to worry about it. Well, that's what um, Mario Batali, before, you know, before. Isn't he some kind of rapist or something? Right, yeah. So Mario Batali um, did sexually assault people or, I don't know. I don't want to, like, miss miss a... He wore Crocs a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) I don't want to, because I don't remember exactly what he did, so I don't want to, I don't want to, like, miss, say it. You don't want to misgender him. (laughs) (laughs) Maria Batali... (laughs) No, no, no. Mar- Mari Ekis Batali. We need to move on, please. <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like there's more quality in this episode. You're throwing me off a lot. No, no. Uh, no, but Mario Batali, he told me, he was like, uh, I don't know personally, but I, I read in a book that he wrote uh-huh. that I got to steal because yes, uh, he, because we took all his stuff away of course. at Italy. Yeah. Uh, he said, you want your pasta wire? Just be just a tiny amount less than the ocean. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, still, I don't think that that's a super useful metric because I don't think people taste ocean water all that often. Boy, I taste it a lot. But even if they do, did, ocean did you water. Know there was one time I was swimming in the ocean. I was totally just swimming, and a lifeguard came out and rescued me. And he's like, he held me right, and was like swimming back, and I was like, I'm fine, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm like drinking seawater. I'm like, I'm okay. Uh-huh. He gets me to the beach, and I was like, What are you doing? <laughs> like I wasn't drowning. He's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> and I was like, No, really, I was just swimming. I'm okay swimming. He's like, Okay, bro. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> and he walks off. <laughs> I was like, Fuck, dude. <laughs> I think you just got hit on by a lifeguard. No, he's... that was very sexual. I what wish. You just said. Yeah, he he, he just got me. <laughs> swimming yeah. is a normal person drowning. Well, yeah, that's maybe also true. But anyway, the salinity of the Earth's oceans are not the same. So, right. like, you could be drinking salty water in lots of different places. It'll taste different. Anyway, that's right. not the point. The that's point true. is that brackish waters are the in Atlantic between Ocean is salty. saltier than the Pacific, right? Because of all of the New York teas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because of Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> God, that's stupid. <laughs> God, <we're> so <laughs> Mama. <laughs> Mama. Oh my god. She's back in Sicily. You know, Sicilia. It, it is this nice is though, because even funny. though we went racist and we did Italian, yeah. but even though we did that, we focused it on Jersey. Yeah. And not like the other obvious joke in like doing France or something, right? Because ah, like we right. could have got we could have done so many things. Anyway. That's true. Look. Look. Yeah. All I was fucking trying to say yeah. is that brackish water. It's an intermediate amount of saltiness, and a lot of that is caused because there are spots where fresh water is running into the ocean. Right. And so, I don't know how much people have ever thought about this, but estuaries are locations where rivers will empty out into the ocean. Right. And in that place where it's emptying out, the water must necessarily be a mix, right? Right. Of fresh water and salty water from the ocean. And so, that forms the kind of environments where you can find these mangrove forests 
so long as they're in that nice kind of equatorial sort of region. About 25% of the mangrove forests in the world are along the coastline of Indonesia. Right. Because Indonesia's got a lot of little islands all over the place. Yeah, that's okay. like India plus Asia. <laughs> right? Indonesia. Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then after that is Brazil. Yeah. And, I didn't know this, Australia. Yeah, Australia has the third most, and also 20% of Australia's coastline is just mangrove forests. So that's a lot of kangaroos and shit. Yeah, mangroves are the, <laughs> the hillbillies of the mangrove forests. Oh, Gotta watch out for mangroves. I like that, actually. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, they're just like white dudes running around naked with war paint on. Beautiful, Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> so in areas of the world that are outside of that equatorial strip, yeah, what you have instead in those brackish waters are marshlands. Right? right. So you can have marshes, salt marshes, yeah. right? brackish where you make marshes. good whiskey and you find... Like ancient people desiccated and sacrificed. Very peaty. Peaty. Okay. okay. And those same latitudes are the ones with like kelp forests. So right, it's like right. marshes and kelp forests, mangrove forests, and coral reefs. Okay, cool. That's the kind of situation you have going on. And yeah, so the word mangrove itself is specifically describing the kinds of shrubs and trees that grow in these brackish waters of these ecosystems. Right. Although mangrove ecosystems can have a lot of different kinds of plants living in them because... Just like the mixing of freshwater right, and saltwater. Right, there's so water. much variance in the region between wherever the freshwater is and the saltwater is, your salinity is highly different. Right, and so there's some plants that really can't handle saltwater at all. Yeah. They're just kind of further in, right? Further inland. Right. And then the mangrove forest that's closest to the ocean itself can handle a lot of salty stuff. Right, this is right? part of what contributes to such a, such a biodiversity, right? Right, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of adaptations that have to come. We'll get into that in a second. Right. But basically, you know, in that area that's kind of close to the ocean, sometimes the water in that area and the kind of ground is actually saltier than the ocean mm. because the water will evaporate and you'll concentrate the salt. Sexy. So these plants have to survive in environments that are saltier than just like fucking out there in the water, man. Damn. Yeah, dude. That sucks. So, you know, that kind of range... And the adaptations for being able to survive in that kind of salinity probably goes back to the late Cretaceous period. Right. Which, like, there's dinosaurs and shit. Right. Right. That's when an asteroid hit that was a big ball of salt and introduced salt into Earth, right? Wow. Yeah, I mean, because before that, there was no salt, so you never had to adapt to it. That's beautiful. Can you imagine how much better that was back then? You could just, like, jump in the ocean and drink because it was just fresh water. You know... This is only barely related, but your thing was a lie anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, there's a lake in between Oklahoma and Texas that's not Lake Eufaula. Okay. But that was formed by damming as mm. well. Yeah, right? sure. And it's one of the few lakes that like became a saltwater lake oh. because they dammed up a river that was running through. Yeah. And it's because there's a lot of salt in like a big salt deposit in the uh, area. And so by having that pooled water just collected there, the water has gotten salty enough that you can actually have sea bass live in that lake just whoa. fine. And it's just this interior fucking, salt lake. Fucking Oklahomans, they're so good at making lemon out of lemonade. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm a little annoyed with myself because that was actually an accident, but a uh, mistake. That's but, good. No, but it's interesting, right? Because you're like, you have this shocking engineering mistake, right? Like you've made a salt lake <laughs> where nothing indigenous can grow. And you're like, well, woo-wee, 
Yeah, <laughs> throw in some sea bass and yeah. hunt that. Yeah, you know? and they're doing great. They have a self-sustaining population in that they lake. Have, it's self-sustaining? Yeah. That feels better than anything in Eufaula. Because whenever <laughs> we'd visit Lake Eufaula, for you guys who don't know, Lake Eufaula is a very large artificial lake made from a damming in Oklahoma. And every time we went, dude, it looked like there was a die-off. Right? Just be like fish corpses littering the... the Salt water works in Oklahoma. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yes, yes, that's okay. Great. All right, let's take a break. Yeah, yeah, and when we come back, let's talk about these special adaptations yeah. that mangrove trees and shit had to yeah. go through to be able to survive cool. in this salty, salty situation. Some things in life just go better together. Salt and pepper, corned beef and hash, your son's eighth birthday, and a ten-pack of Marlboro Red. Now get ready for another of life's great partnerships. Human skin and furniture. Harness the natural protective and stain resistant powers of human skin with our new line of couches, ottomans, pillowcases, and sectionals. Now we know what you're thinking and do not worry. Our human skin is free range and cageless. Don't compromise with human skin riddled with GMOs and antibiotics and fluoride. Get the best at the best prices with our new line of human skin furniture. Yeah. All right, so... Welcome uh, back, everybody. Woo! Okay, so, you know, brackish water. Yep. Um, I don't drink salt water. Humans don't drink salt water. Mm -hmm. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> It sounds difficult to have an environment that has so many, I mean, I know microclimates is the wrong word, but like where it's, the salinity can change so much within like a mile. That seems hard. Yeah. How do plants do it? Right. So maybe the first thought here is to very briefly touch on the idea of why is it hard to live in a salty environment in the first place? Well, I don't know. I mean, I have a hard time going into work sometimes, right? <laughs> You know, <laughs> very salty. Nice, yeah. nice. Well, but so the idea is that salty. Like, I don't play League of Legends anymore. <laughs> salty environments can pull the water out of you if they are saltier than you are. Right. That's um a Star Trek episode in the original series. There was that hot chick who would suck the salt out of dudes. Remember? Yeah. It was one of those. Yeah. It was yeah. one of those really yeah. funny. Sure. Uh, the original series conceits where it's like. This monster sucks salt out of dudes. And they're like, okay. And it's like, and she's a hot chick. It's a shapeshifter. And it sucks salt. Right. And she's going to be a hot chick and then suck the salt out of you. The, the shapeshifter part, I definitely remember. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so basically, water's really important to life. Yeah. Okay. You like to hold on to your water so you can use it. Right. And so if you suddenly get shoved into a very salty environment, it will draw the water out of you. And you will get desiccated. How does that work with a human? Like, let's say you put a living human yeah. in a bunch of salt water. Uh -huh. Like, does it, like, literally just go out of your skin over time? Like, how does that work? So, you would lose some water through your skin. But our skin does a pretty good job of keeping water. Right. right? I mean, the main thing is that... Your dick hole. <laughs> right? Because that's... I mean, that's always been the weakest link. Man, I don't even want to think about what, what happens to your dick hole, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> but, but more to the point, like... Well, we try to have our external environment kind of protected yeah. against things like losing water. Right. Right. But we do lose water as we breathe and as we perspire and everything right, like that. Right. right. And so we would just continue to lose that. It would get drawn out very quickly into the water around us and we would dehydrate. Right. If you tried to drink that water, 
you would not do a very good job of becoming hydrated. Right. And you would continue to get dehydrated. Yeah, I've never understood that, actually. Why can't you drink salt water and get hydrated? Because mainly the way that we draw water into our bodies from, yeah. like, our guts. Yeah. Right? Relies on that water being mostly water and not salt. Right. The forces that actually allow that water to kind of rush into our body. Mm. It requires it so that the osmolarity works out. So that it doesn't have as much stuff dissolved in it. So if there was salt in it... Like, you would just, like, literally the water would just pass through you? Uh, yeah. I mean, or alternatively, you would get some water out of it, but you'd also get a lot of salt as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, anyway, so we're not good at it. Right. But some plants have gotten pretty good at it. Okay. And so, basically, you know, the the saltiness... Kind of all the way back 70 million years ago, that's when we first start to see some of these mangroves evolving. Yeah. But after that initial period around the dinosaurs, late dinosaurs period that they were starting to evolve, there was this period a little bit later called the Paleocene-Eocene Thermal Maximum, which was 35 to 65 million years ago. And that was a period of the temperatures kind of going up. We saw global warming. Right. Okay. So it is a hoax because it's happened before. So it can't be important. So it's not human-made. There's all kinds of shit went extinct. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This one's definitely human-made. But in any case, that one back then, humans weren't around, so you're right. Humans were not involved. But there was this intense diversification and speciation of a lot of different kinds of plants, including mangroves. So they really like... It's always like something that I've had a hard time wrapping my brain around. So say 70 million years ago, there was just like two plants. There's like Billy and Bob, like Mm -hmm. Cain and Abel. Sure, yeah. Like, that's crazy. There's like, it's weird to me because it's a lot easier for me to imagine that like a hundred million years ago, there were basically as many species as a hundred years ago because they're dwindling now, but like a hundred years ago and just different. But actually there was less species and like moments of big explosions of uh, diversification. Right. And I mean, so at any given moment, there may be more species or fewer species than right now. Okay. okay. In the past. Definitely and that's right because now. So, so there are times in the past where there's a lot of expansion, diversification, but then there's also periods where a lot of those things don't make it and they die out. Right. Right. Like, like in two years. <laughs> and so, Like in my child's lifetime. So there's a lot of extinction events that happen as well. And some of those extinction events were very, very drastic. Right. And reduced diversity below where it is now. Right. It's, it's weird and to know things, that one of them is just people. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I know, like, people of our generation and general outlook, like, know that. But it's just funny to imagine on a chart, like, you know, asteroid, whatever, yeah. uh, super volcano, yeah. uh, people. You know? We've been very effective at killing shit. Yeah. yeah. We're good at it. I'm good at it. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. Like, I, I killed that Pat Sehu. Yeah, he did. And did I eat, like, a pizza and a half earlier? Oh, did you? I really fucked my diet today. Oh, man. What kind of pizza? Uh, I don't know, just Costco had, like, this new pizza. Oh. So that's, I just, I just, no, 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 not, like, at the food oh, court. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And oh, it was pretty oh, good. So okay. I hate a lot of it. Well, that's, I was going to say that's good. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> but tasty. Try not to judge. <laughs> I've eaten things, too. Anyway, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. look. What we do? Look. Mangroves had been around for a few million years before this kind of big explosion in diversification even. Okay. Right? And so one of the things that kind of happened during those million years is a whole genome duplication, which means that they basically took all the DNA that they had in their cells and duplicated it. Right. Kind of like some people. Like mutants. You know, like X-Men. Humans, uh, even X-Men, I seriously doubt 
duplicated their entire genome. Right, right, right. Uh, That's like the one X-Man, but he does, he's not in the comics because he doesn't do anything else. He just like has a duplicated genome. Animals do not handle this very well. We can't handle genome duplicate. It seems to create way too many copies of genes. We don't really see animals with it. But for whatever reason, plants do okay? Plants seem to handle it very well to the point where like many, many, many of the plants around today have genome duplication events. Some of the like most useful crops have like way too many copies of their genes. So why is it that plants can handle having duplicate genes so much better than we do? Yeah. Is there a theory about that or a hypothesis or anything? I tried looking into it. Uh, I don't, I think it's hard to tell. It's because they're slower, right? Maybe. I mean, honestly. Yeah, probably. Part of the thing is that with animal cells, a lot of times there are really big dose-dependent effects on genes where having double the amount of a gene will actually just straight up kill the cell. Right. It'll be cytotoxic. Right. Whereas with plants, it seems like a lot of times that doesn't seem to happen all that much. That like, even if having double the gene's not good for the plant cell, it doesn't quite kill it. Um, It's because plants are like the hippies of life and we're the yuppies of life. Like animals are yuppies, right? Those guys, go, 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 go. Okay. I gotta kill shit. I gotta eat shit. I gotta poop shit. I gotta fuck shit. Yeah. Whereas plants are like... Hey, man, let's pollinate, man. Let's pollinate together, man. (sighs) Well, so they're just less manic about stuff. They can just handle that extra genome, man. You know, why not, man? It does seem like it. Yeah. And, you know, after plants duplicate their genome, basically, they don't actually need that whole other genome. So those genes are free to kind of evolve around. They they can substitute out different... And so you think, you personally... Right, you hypothesize this. You think that mangrove forests have benefited from that. That a lot of species in mangrove forests have been able to use that kind of duplicate gene pool to kind of try out cool new techniques to live in brackish water. Yeah. Yes. That's cool, man. And it's amazing how you are both a you know an immunologist and a biologist uh, for plants. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like a, like a that, botanist or something. Yeah, yeah, a botanist. <laughs> you know right. what? I want to do a survey. I bet you botanists got the, the cutest people. Oh. I want our science listeners to do a survey someday that's like, who, which science group got the cuties? Because I bet you it's botany. <laughs> I bet you there's a lot of bootalicious botanists. Uh, yeah. I don't know why you think that, but I'm glad you do. It ain't physics. Okay. I know I, <laughs> I know that Vikram, our buddy Vikram over at yeah. the Planthropology Podcast. He's okay. a cutie. He's got some botany shit going on. I know he's, that for he's, sure. He's at least one in the botany world. Anyway, one. look. <laughs> over time, mangroves have done a lot of genetic shit, okay? Yeah. For example, they've actually swapped out a lot of amino acids from their proteins where normally those amino acids in some other plants would have these large hydrophobic parts. And instead, they've swapped them out for smaller hydrophobic parts. Why does that help? Right. So large hydrophobic areas in proteins can tend to make it so that they can aggregate if things start to go bad inside of a cell. Right. And aggregation can cause all kinds of problems. That's one of the things that some people think has to do with Alzheimer's and stuff like that. Is right. Protein aggregates. And so swapping it out for smaller hydrophobic domains make it so that the proteins are a little bit more stable and a little bit less likely to aggregate. Interesting. And yeah, they also have other adaptations against salt. Like they have thicker leaves that can store more water. They're juicier. Right. right? But they also have a waxy exterior to prevent the water evaporation. They have these salt glands that kind of develop on the bottom side of leaves that actually like salt crystals form out of. Wow. So they're just like... 
there's like excreting out salt, basically. Cool. And then they have this waxy biopolymer in the plant cell walls called Subarin that can help protect the cells from like uh, osmotic pressure and can control the water flow in and out. And they have this like ultra filtration by the roots to resist salt intake. So like when the roots are kind of bringing in water, they can like physically block the salt ions from coming in. That's pretty cool. So it's kind of like how, you know, in high school. Okay. You got your geeks, your nerds, your dorks. Is that it? Well, we can, yeah. There's, okay. there's not other people. Oh, okay. And, and you can actually categorize these plants in, in three categories as well, right? Yeah, which actually I think are pretty similar to the categories in high school. It's secretors, excluders, and accumulators. <laughs> um. <laughs> <I didn't... laughs> Tell me about secretors. <laughs> oh, Nate, you are a secretor. Yeah, um, look, yeah. So that's all about what they do with salt. Okay, so that yeah. means that Mangroves typically don't do all of the adaptations I just said, right? right? A particular species will kind of pick one of these things. They'll either end up taking up salt, but they'll secrete it out. Right. Or there are mangrove plants that don't take up the salt in the first place. They do their best to keep it out. And then there are other ones that will bring in the salt and then inside the cells will trap the salt inside of little intracellular storage places called vacuoles. Yeah. Okay, so there's a lot of options for mangroves, and usually they'll specialize in one of those ways of dealing with salt. And then, broadly, they have other kinds of adaptations because the mangrove environment is not just salty. There's other issues to deal with, okay? And so one of the things that they've adapted to is basically... Yeah, this one's weird. Yeah. I don't like this at all. <laughs> um, our sound engineer, uh, our sound lord, my wife, Stacy, is pregnant. Yeah. Humans do live birth. Some humans. Yeah. And we've opted for live birth. <laughs> and and I, I see now why Stacey gave me that look. Uh, I didn't mean it as opposed to some... <laughs> I meant as opposed to eggs. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it turns out mangroves, some do live birth as well. Right. So the term is uh, vivipary, yeah. where when you normally think about plants quote-unquote, giving birth. Yeah. What that means is that they had a seed, and the seed is in something, and then it, like, drops off the tree or whatever, right? right. Like, it's like, oh, the seed is in an apple, and then it dropped right. off the tree. Kind of or... like a child in the ghetto. Like an orphan. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, like Fagin's kids. Okay, see, when you say Fagin's kids, it makes it white British people, and then it's okay. You understand? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so most plants are like Fagin. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... But these plants are like me and Stacy. Right. They'll actually keep the seed and let the seed start sprouting on the mother tree. Whoa. And they'll start growing roots and they'll start becoming an actual seedling Damn. plant and basically be born while still attached to their mother. That's crazy. And then drop off once they've kind of developed enough. Okay, okay. And that's because of the harsh environment that mangroves live in. Right. The tides come in and come out, so you have these really variable water levels. Yeah. Right? The soil is usually very silty, and it's hard to kind of gain purchase in that soil. Well, right? How do they gain purchase if they have the roots, but then they drop into the soil? Right, so 
Typically, they'll wait into a particular season oh. where the soil can give them a little bit more purchase. Oh. And then their roots are already kind of grown out. And then once they drop down, they'll kind of grow in. You sound so sexy when you say esoteric words like purchase in that way. Oh. It's not an esoteric word, but the way you're saying it sounds yeah, so yeah, Darcy usage, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is so, so the plant may have purchase in the fertile soil, you know? Like it sounds yeah, so yeah. sexy or like, and euphemistic. Yeah, 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 exactly. Your seed gained purchase yeah, 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 in yeah. Stacy's soil. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's my wife you're talking about. <laughs> Stasis face is really solid. Okay. okay. And it also helps with the salinity aspect is that the seed itself probably doesn't have things like the salt secreting glands. Yeah. But once it becomes a seedling, it can develop some of that so that once it drops down, it'll have some kind of way of dealing with the salt. Cool. Okay. But the soil isn't just super salty. It's also very low in oxygen. Okay. It's pretty close to anoxic. Right. Whereas normally soil... I know we don't really think about this, but normally soil is kind of porous. There's oxygen gas down in there. Right. But in this case, the soil really doesn't have almost any oxygen at all. And so mangroves develop specialized roots that specifically are above water level and above the soil level. Right. This is like really famous. This is probably like one of the most visually distinct things about mangrove forests. Right. Is that most of the roots are above water. Yeah. They, they kind of hang out above there, right? And kind of right. like spring out and then You know down. what's so funny is I always assumed that was something about anchoring with changing tides. I never thought about it as being related to oxygen. But that yeah. makes a lot of sense. It's, it's kind literally of exposed to oxygen. Yeah. It's both. So they, they have some roots that are meant to dig deep and latch on to whatever earth they can, right? And then there are other roots that are purposefully supposed to be above water and have a specialized organ all them yeah. called a pneumatophore that's whole point is to do gas exchange. Yeah. Hey, this is way too late in the episode to ask this. But yeah. what is a mangrove? Yeah, so it's basically, <laughs> there's a little bit of debate. Ah, okay. Amongst nerds. Mm. But it is either... Amongst secretors. Uh, a family of plants that are able to live in salty environments in these kind of tropical regions. Okay. Right? Or it is a little bit more specifically obligate hitlophytes, which are trees that like they really grow better in salty environments than they do in freshwater environments. Okay. Because there are some plants that grow in mangrove forests that can handle some salt, but they would do better if it was less salty, right. right? And then there's a few plants that, like, they've put so much investment into being good in a salty environment that they really don't perform right. well in freshwater. Okay, so it's this, either it's this family of plants that live in these areas, or it's obligate Hitler files? <laughs> <laughs> what was the term you used? Halophytes. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Is that better? <laughs> is, is that better than Hitler files? Yeah, right. it's a lot better than Hitler files. I don't files. know. I anyway. met a Hitler file. Uh -oh. <laughs> it was awkward. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about the ecosystem of these mangrove forests. Yeah, like why are mangrove forests good in some kind of more didactic moral sense? Yes. But the biodiversity of mangrove forests... And because this is important, what's the economic bottom line? Right. Yes, of course. How does it affect humans' modes of production? We're American? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we got to ask the question. So let's take the break. And when we come back, let's do that. Can I frack it? <laughs> I'm going to frack you, Forrest. Oh, shit. The following is an actual advertisement. Do you love plants? 
Don't be silly. Of course you do. You might just not know it yet. I'm Vikram Baliga, the host of the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives and careers of some really cool plant people. Join me each episode as I chat with students, scientists, and professionals in the natural sciences and figure out what keeps them coming back for more. We'll explore their work, the ways they got into their fields, why they love plants and nature so much, and why you should love those things too. Planthropology is laid back and conversational and will keep you laughing and engaged whether you're a scientist or not. Follow along for this adventure into the sciences and keep being really cool plant people. Okay, so brackish water, when I hear the word brackish, I don't think a lot of things live there. That's the opposite of the truth, right? Like mangrove forests are very ecologically biodiverse. Yeah, they're biodiverse and they're very fruitful environments for right. a lot of different kinds of animals. They're even to come humanly diverse because oh, the bogan peoples That's that true. live in mangroves, yes. it's actually more of a way of life than a single ethnicity. So you have people all over the world drawn to the boganism of a mangrove. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. They're very we're, multi-ethnic. We're leaning very heavy on this term, bogan. Yeah, yeah. But I hope our listeners know it by now. B-O-G-H-A-I-N. It comes up surprisingly often. <laughs> um, okay, look. You know, I, I, whenever I want street cred with an Australian at the bar, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, like a bogan. And I swear to God, the last time I did it, I turned around, I walked to poor someone, and I hear just a voice behind me like, how do you know what a bacon is? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, wistfully. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> like, beautiful. Like a heart connecting to a heart you somewhere. You just blew some like Australian's a, mind. A Frida Kahlo painting. That's beautiful. How do I share the same blood as this other person who knows what a bacon is? That's Across wonderful. Across space and time. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. fulfilled someone's dream they didn't even know they had. They got a lot of cool biodiverse shit going on in mangrove forests. Indeed they do. And Mm -hmm. it often starts with a detritus from the trees. And that's just like the dead shit that falls off trees. Right. You got rotting wood. You got leaves. Okay, there's lots of scavengers and bacteria in the waters below. That's probably true of... I mean, that's definitely true of marshes and peat bogs and forests too, right? Like marine snowfall and oceans. Right. Dead shit... Is still got good stuff, right? Yeah. Animals are way better recycling than we are. They recycle dead shit. Yeah. For example, there are shipworms. Right. Which are this kind of clam that do not have a shell. And right. so they are very strange looking. Right. Uh, this and- is classic human chauvinism because we call them shipworms because they fester on ships, but really they're mangrove woodworms. Yes, exactly. That happened to find a boat. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly what happened is some poor sap brought their boat through some kind of mangrove area and picked up a lot of shipworms. I think they, um, I think there's some communities in the Philippines that eat them actually. Well, they are clams without shells, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would assume Why that not? you could eat them and they're Why great. not, bitch? Yeah, yeah. but. They are kind of strange looking and kind of fun. They eat a shitload of dead mangrove trees. There's also a ton of insects that live in mangrove forests, eating the leaves, boring into the trees, right? And then there's many predators that feed on those insects, including spiders, millipedes, lots of different kinds of birds, fish, and so on. Things eat on that? Right. It's the the food chain. And I poop on them? Yes, like the crabs. (laughs) You definitely pooped pooped on a crab. crab. I know you did. I like pooped on a crab. (laughs) I was like, ah! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there was Godzilla squat there was like a fucking isopod watching you and all this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's jerking off. Yeah, I saw it. Or I heard about it anyway. It, it got You felt it across the world. Sure. It was like the you like shuddered. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, Nathan just shattered a crab and an isopod watched. Yeah. It was like a thousand voices crying out <laughs> and then suddenly silenced. <laughs> <laughs> um, and look. 
A lot of these species live in mangroves year-round, okay? Right. But mangroves also offer really great winter habitats for migratory birds, okay? Right. Just like Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for all of the people from New York, right? Right, right, right? And so those seasonal habitats, there's also sort of seasons to a mangrove in terms of how the salinity is. And some fish will prefer salty times and some fish will prefer more freshwater times. Sure. And so you can see the fish populations change. They're really nice nurseries uh, for right. fish. And that makes a lot of sense, like literally, right? It's like they're a little buffeted from tidal waves, although we'll talk about that a little bit more. So the water's calmer than in other places. Uh, there's like roots in everywhere. There's more literal protection. I don't think I really appreciated that as a human being until I was snorkeling. And I saw these like little dots around coral reefs and crags. And I realized that there's thousands of fish like in Finding Nemo or something. And it was like, it works the same reason that building a moat is the best form of defense for a castle. A ditch stops stuff from running at you faster. And like a mangrove forest has roots. The shit lives amongst the roots. It's harder to hunt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's like all these little tiny tunnels and shit like that that you can get into, right? And sometimes I worry about you. Why? Well, just because you got to hear me say shit that's so obvious. <laughs> I could feel you die a little bit. No! About like 30 seconds into that long, long, long rant about why a root is helpful for well, a fish. <laughs> you just, you wanted to express your pleasure at knowing that holes are nice for things it's just It's just, you're always the victim of my expressing of pleasure. <laughs> And I feel bad about it. No. And then an, another factor besides <laughs> holes are nice is also <laughs> is also that it's a very silty environment. Okay. Right. And so that kind of mud, it's hard to see. Yeah. And so predators have a harder time eating little baby fish that don't know what the fuck they're doing yet. Yeah. And then once the fish grow a little bit bigger and they can handle themselves, then they can go out into the open ocean. Right. So these are really important places for all kinds of fish, including economically important ones like snappers and sea trout. I eat that. And then you also got, you got crocs. Yeah, right? you and got, gators. You got, yeah, you got biggins. Okay. You got cool lizards and shit. Yeah, anoles, snakes, turtles, manatees, gators dolphins. Gators are important for some people's diets too. Yeah, and there's some fucking raccoons. Yeah, okay? yeah. You can find raccoons in mangrove forests in Florida. manatees. Yep, all that kind of shit. Okay, so there's a lot of things living in the mangrove forest. We like that. Yeah, yeah. You and I like that. But... Are they economically valuable? Right. I know our listeners Whoa. are more cynical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90% <laughs> of our listeners are economists. Right. And they're like, that all sounds stupid. Right. But here, guys, we're going to make a point. The mangrove forests are also highly important biomes for human beings. If you think that flood insurance and hurricane insurance is going to yeah. get too damn expensive. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Houston. Yeah. Houston needs more wetlands. Yeah. Uh, so that's not helpful for mangrove forests. But but other places like Indonesia. Houston might be south enough to have some mangrove. They have a mangrove forest? Florida has mangrove forests. Yeah, but is that... Where's Houston? <laughs> <laughs> It's like uh, three miles north of Miami Day. <laughs> uh, where, where is that on the map? Anyway, what, wait, we can we can That's bring like, the map. I was out just later. talking to Stacy about this about how like I always think Nevada is like right of California, but it's actually like nooked into like the corner of California, yeah. and so like Vegas is like next to Lake Tahoe. Yeah, it's close. But it doesn't feel like that to me. To me, it feels like you go east to Vegas and north to Lake Tahoe, but in reality, mm. they're fucking next to each other. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. dude. Same with, like, um, you know, I was in Belize recently. Yep. And it's, like, not that far from the tip of Florida. Uh, laterally? Sure, yeah. Long like, it's, it's, it's latitude. Yeah, 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 latitude, yeah. Crazy. 
it's just it's so funny. I guess it's just like kind of my myopia. Whereas again, I always joke about this. Like I know like the medieval states of Spain. You do, but like yeah. <laughs> I'm all about I'm all about Navarra and Andorra, baby. Yeah, yeah, Navarra, um, Navarra's got some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but anyway, yes. Look, um, like Nathan was saying, okay, mitigation of flooding. Yeah. Reduction in coastline erosion. Right. Okay. And reduction in destruction caused by things like tsunamis right. and hurricanes. And this is actually kind of intuitive, right? Which is like, if you have rising waters changing rapidly and like waves and winds and shit like that, if you have a flat surface, it just goes straight through it, hits your town, hits Galveston, right? Mm-hmm. But if you have a bunch of plants and shit or a bunch of trees in terms of mangrove forest, it just absorbs the changing tides a lot better. It, it braces the winds a lot better. Right. Exactly. And... Part of the point of how mangroves do their shit is by, like, helping fix soil into a spot so that right. they can live there. Right. And so th- there's a lot of things that it can do to prevent erosion. But also, all trees are good at breaking right. the wind up, right? And the same logic that we talked about with forests in general applies to mangrove forests. Right. Exactly. And so they have done studies about this where they've looked at how thick of a mangrove area do you need, right, to be able to buffer your coastline appropriately. And so what they were calling a thinner sort of amount of mangrove, like a quarter mile deep, uh, is what they were calling kind of thin. That can still reduce the winds from something like a hurricane before the storm actually comes ashore. Right. Okay, so that can like reduce the intensity somewhat. But if you got a thick mangrove. Right, if you're growing a thick mangrove down there. Yeah. Okay. And for that, we're talking about like a mile or more of mangrove, right? That can significantly reduce the impact of flooding due to storm surges. It can reduce tsunami heights for the actual waves, right? So that can significantly buffer that whole zone. And you can see that in a lot of places in terms of how much devastation they get from a tsunami hitting a coastline. Right. Is the areas where the mangrove forests have been weakened typically by human activity. Right. You see the tsunami head a lot further inland and end up destroying a lot more property and killing a lot more people. Right. Right? So... But it's not worth not living literally on the beach. (laughs) Because, you know, look, you're not as... You you haven't been to the... You haven't been to the Caribbean. I have not been to as many tropical locales. Look, a pina colada is not the same if you're not on the beach, literally. Well, but see, you were on the beach shitting by a mangrove and had a really great time. Uh, Not just by, amongst, (laughs) underneath. That's what I'm saying. It was like really romantic and I really want to emphasize how much it was me connecting with Mother Gaia. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't just me needing to poop because I ate earlier. Many more people people in the world can enjoy that kind of pooping if we help foster the natural mangrove growth that would happen in that area. Well, or we just give everyone a jet ticket now. (laughs) Speed up climate change a little bit more, baby. Wow. Everyone can get one last good look at a mangrove forest, (laughs) and we don't worry about it in five years. Wow, that's beautiful. beautiful. (laughs) All right, look. Look, listen. So basically, mangrove forest, another one of those things that's amazingly biodiverse, so important. We're not going to have it in 10 years, so treasure it now. Yeah, it's gonna be gone. yeah. So uh, we have precipitously been losing mangrove forests, right. like over the past twenty-five years. It's been rough, right? Well, and especially because if it's in Indonesia and Brazil, these are places that are currently developing. Yeah, this is not like Italy we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, or like Australia does a reasonably good job keeping their mangroves around, right? Uh, I mean, it helps that Australia's got huge swaths of area where like no humans live, but yeah. like whatever. That you know, so there are some spots where mangroves are not 
receding quite so quickly. Yeah. But it is definitely true that the growth dynamics of mangroves are complicated by global warming. Right. Much like coral reefs live in the same band of space. Right. And so it's complicated by global warming. And also human beings have been fracturing up mangrove forest areas. Yeah. Which has had really big negative impacts on them. Right. So, you know, I hope people can turn it around. But who knows? <laughs> yeah. Who knows, buddy? I'm going to get into Ukraine right when they're fracturing that up so I can get my little piece of it. Like a little Princeton of Nate, you know? <laughs> little little latest thing. You think that's what's going to happen? <laughs> that's how that's going to work? I just got to bang the table hard enough. Oh. I'm like, I have an ethnic community okay. of me. Oh, shit. Me. Wow. <laughs> the Nathan ethnicity. <laughs> and I'll just like get one of Putin's old maps and like draw on Sharpie like a little like Nathan principality. Oh, right next to like the Crimean Tartars. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The NATO, the Nate Tartars. Right. Nate Tars. Right. Well. <laughs> You're a Nate Tar. <laughs> don't. You it's can't. hard because all that was so bad, but that was so worth it. <laughs> all right, look. Let's, let's say. Take, let's take a week long break. Yes. Yes. Let's say thank you. Thank you. To Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Thank you, Stacy. Finish that ad, please. Okay. And then let's also say thank you to Brian Allen for artwork. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Griffin, for editing and for animation. Oh, my God. Yes. And look. We have an email address. It's petridishpod at gmail.com. There's a Twitter. It's at dishpodcast. Patreon.com slash petridish. Congratulations, everybody. You did it. Mm -hmm. You did it. Have a good one, guys. See you next week. Bye.